This podcast is going to be on tears, and before I get going, I want to dedicate it to my mother, who, if she was ever sainted, would be the uh, patron saint of tears. Tears come easily to my mother, and fortunately, they come easily to me as well. I got a good example for that, and like all superpowers, Mom, there's a blessing and a curse with it, and I know that sometimes it's not easy to live life that intensely, but I am grateful for your emotional vulnerability with those things. Hello and welcome back or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to children and all of the wonderful things and mysterious things and interesting things about children and I'm coming at all of that stuff from a child-centered play therapy perspective. And uh, if you've been listening for a bit, you can tell the intro is a little different. I'm trying to play with exactly what this show even is at this point. It seems like such a quaint and simple time roughly a year ago when I was putting out episodes about aggression or how to do role-playing in play or things like that. At this point, we're talking about ghosts. We're talking about psychedelics. And it feels like only a matter of time before I have an episode where I'm saying that you should look up the astrology charts for all the children that you see. And then the next episode, you'll notice like, hey, that's weird. He stopped using the word children. And now he's referring to them as light beings. And then on the episode after that, I'll say that by attuning to the light beings that we discover the light inside of ourselves and connect to our own divine essence, and then are able to live heart-centered lives in this world to create the world of the future. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. And I'm trying to figure out where this podcast is going. I don't know exactly where it's going. I hope it's still helpful for therapists, but I'm also trying to expand it. I'm trying to expand it beyond just clinicians because I think at this point, the podcast has organically morphed into something that's uh, a little bit wider than, say, tracking and reflecting and all of those play therapy skills. There are plenty of other good play therapy podcasts that I think are a little bit more skills focused. And then there's also like supervisors and courses and trainings and that kind of thing for that stuff. And I say all that to say that I don't see the direction of this show actually really shifting from what it's looked like for the past little bit. If you've been listening, I'm just starting to actually frame the show in the reality of what the show actually is. But enough about me trying to figure out what I'm doing. Let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is tears. Tears. And my friend uh, Papillon de Boer, we did some episodes of uh, on his podcast, Am I Broken? Survivor Stories, that you could check out if you want to. But that's not what I was trying to talk about. He and I have a little bit of a joke sometimes i think he came up with it that as therapists we're just like emotional vampires that we feed on emotions and the the sort of deeper and darker 
those emotions are, the more that we feed. And that's that's part of our like vampirism as people. And it's a it's a funny joke. And there's a little bit of a like a question in there, I think, in more serious moments of like, like, why do I get this rush, say, when someone cries as a therapist? Why does it feel important when someone cries as a therapist? And I've spent time with myself trying to wrestle with that. And on the one hand, wanting to uh, honor that feeling bad sucks, and I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad and trying to be aware of like, okay, am I unconsciously on some level trying to make either the children I see or the parents I see feel bad so they cry? It's like, I don't, I don't think so. But there is something that happens when people cry in a session that feels really important and feels really good. And I read something recently that helped clarify that for me a little bit. And uh, it's from a religious text. I studied, I did comparative religion when I was in undergrad. And the text is called the Zohar. It's in the Judaic tradition. And in the Zohar, people receive revelations, revelations from God. But what's notable is that the Zohar says that tears are the necessary prerequisite for receiving revelations, that there is a something that happens inside of a person when the tears are experienced that allows for the reception of a divine message from their perspective. And I honestly can't think of a better way to put why tears feel so important in a therapy session and why tears feel so important in general and why tears are important for children to have and also why children cry so much because there's so much that they're taking in and there's so much that they're learning all the time. There's plenty of sayings in our culture that are true. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But uh, a saying I really don't like is that time heals all wounds and certainly seems clear based on the times that we are living in. And by that, I mean the wounds of systemic racism and violence against, at this point, what's up most is against black people in the United States because the black population here in America has been under a level of oppression and violence since they were brought here on boats as slaves, which is tremendous. And if it was true that time heals all wounds, then we wouldn't really have any issues there anymore. Time does seem to do something to wounds. Time does seem to morph them. Time seems to make us ignorant of their power over us. Time does seem to make those wounds just an integrated part of us until we don't even recognize what the wound was to begin with. But it's also true, based on the research that people are doing with trauma, that wounds can be passed down generation to generation, that not even the death of an individual who was wounded ends that wound. And that's because time doesn't heal wounds. It's because wounds are healed in other ways. Wounds are healed when they're addressed. Wounds are healed when they're brought into the light. Wounds are healed when they're approached with love. Wounds are healed when they're known and accepted and moved through 
wounds are healed when we return to our essence instead of being some version of ourselves that's not connected to our essence because we have integrated some wounds into us without actually healing them. And so telling someone that time heals all wounds is a very, very dangerous thing to tell someone because it it implies that no activity on the part of the person, no effort, no struggle, no making space for is necessary because time is magically going to scrub away this wound anyway. And that's not true, but it might be true that tears heal wounds. And I think that there's multiple ways to be teary. I mean, obviously it can manifest itself externally when you have water, tears coming out of your eyes. It's not, I mean, tears are are more than just water coming out of your eyes and you can see it in someone's eyes when their eyes start to get teary. And I think that people can also be teary internally, that you can hear it in a person's voice or see it in their affect when they're internally crying. And at least in my experience for my own personal life, I am just as capable of receiving new insights about myself and my relationships or the world when I am crying either externally or internally, being teary externally or internally, that both are reservoirs for change and both states of being teary create the potential to receive and integrate new information so what do we do when a child is crying how do we support a child when they're crying i mean step one would be like having a culture where someone is able to cry and having it be acceptable to cry and having the person who's crying be met in some kind of way if they're open to being met. And by met, I don't mean smothering the person who's crying with, say, too much of your own emotion, of trying to take away that person's feelings from them. We can all be guilty of that at times, but that often just speaks more to our own discomfort with the emotions of another, which certainly tells us something about ourselves, and it doesn't make space for the person who's crying. So it's not moving, say, towards them in such a way that attempts to take away their experience or smother their experience. It's also not becoming so distant, say, that we're not addressing what's happening. If a child's crying and I'm seeing them, I would probably say something like, you're feeling really intensely right now. Or if I know what the crying is, I could say, you're so sad right now that you're crying. And I I said intensely to start because it it should be noted that crying, I just saw a child recently who was crying with joy, crying with joy that something had happened. So crying doesn't always have to fit or being teary doesn't have to fit in this category of being sad all the time, right? I mean, you could be crying tears of joy, crying tears of grief, crying tears from beauty, Crying tears from love, crying tears from frustration, fatigue. Tears, then, are just speaking to the intensity of experience. They don't actually tell you a whole lot about what the feeling is, what is the source, say, of that intensity. But to go back to how to deal with this, say, with a person, you're meeting them there. You could name 
what's happening as an invitation for them to come into awareness of what's happening or even to move towards if there is more information that they would like to say, if they would like to let you know what's happening with them at that time. But what I found with tears, and I, if anyone wants to write in, I would be really curious to see if this lands the same way with anyone else. There's this period while someone is feeling really intensely that I just want to give them the space to do that. Like if someone is sobbing, say, or even if they're just teary at all, but sobbing is, a, is a, maybe the most powerful expression of this that I can think of. I wouldn't want to talk to them too much while they're sobbing. There's this intensity of feeling that's rising to the surface. If that thing has been repressed in some form or present and they just keep stubbornly pushing it down because we none of us like to want to sob in the you know middle of the day, even though many of us could probably benefit at times from doing so. But if someone is sobbing, I want to give them some space. If it's a child in the room, I want to give them some space and... There's a point after the tears, this, this warm feeling that at least I get after I've had a good old cry that is much lighter, that is much freer, where there's a settling back into myself. I mean, not every time, but sometimes it feels really good to cry. And those are the times when I would want to approach and in that way with a child even just approaching with my presence because at that point it's like okay you've cried you've moved through this you're experiencing lightness and you're still in this really intense process and I want to let you know that I'm here and sometimes in that moment I think uh, for adults and children you could sink back into like I just feel so bad about x y and z like there can be a spinning back in and I try to provide support the other way for that in terms of saying that you're feeling really bad about what happened and I saw that when you cried I saw how hard this has been for you and That can be helpful in witnessing that, in maintaining this space. It's it's very common, as adults, say, more than children, for people who I'm sitting with to cry and then say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm crying, and try to cut that thing off, or cry and then immediately try to like, boop, we're going to close that lid back up. And if someone really, really wants to close that lid back up, there's not a whole lot we can do to stop them. But whether it's a child or whether it's an adult, there is a way, say, if we're, if we're talking, using this metaphor that it's a lid, and they're moving to put the lid back on this jar of their feelings, we can, you know, using this metaphor, put our hand on their hand, not literally, and not in a way that's like, stop putting this lid on but calling them back to this moment right now. Because the tears are bringing something important. They're unearthing something. It's an opportunity for genuine change or new understanding or new revelation. And that can occur consciously. I think for adults, it needs to occur consciously. I genuinely believe for children that many times it occurs unconsciously. It's energetic, 
because there's something so valuable for a child, a child who will someday be an adult, to be able to have feelings, to have those feelings intensely, to be in touch with the intensity of the human experience, to then arrive at the other side of that intensity, to have practice in unearthing your own repressions, and then to not try to stuff it back in again. That is a necessary practice for a person who is attempting to be integrated on a number of different levels. And there is a big part of that where a child can just learn how to do that, learn how to flow with that, and have practice in flowing with that, internalize that practice, and be able to carry that practice with them for the rest of their lives, which is an invaluable tool and something that we lose as adults oftentimes in our own relationship to our feelings and have to try to relearn. And something I felt very fortunate for during this time is that I'm working a lot less. I'm doing about half of the sessions I was before, which both means that I have space to think about like, oh, what could playtime expand into? But it also means that I've had more emotional space to deal with everything that's happening in this moment. It's a very intense time for most people that I know. I can't think of that many people who aren't asking themselves some really big questions right now, like, what am I doing with my job? What am I doing in my particular relationship? How am I fostering oppression in the world? What do I actually want to be doing in this world? What matters and what doesn't matter? What things in my life have been holding me back and what am I choosing to do with those things? There's been a lot of conversations lately for me and the people I know in that vein. And I said I'm thankful to be working less because it's it's a lot. It's a lot for me to be grappling with. I'm not grappling with all of those things. I'm, I'm grappling with a few of those things. And especially if you're someone whose life looks pretty similar to how it did previously and you're working full time. And for the people I know doing that, that's that's been really challenging because it's been hard to sit with and be with all of the emotions that have been coming up during this really dynamic and potentially transformative time in the history of human beings. All the more reason why we could all likely benefit from having access to our tears and having access to the intensity of our experience, of being able to experience that, of being able to feel teary and to cry if we are feeling that intensely, and then to receive something from those tears. And that something could be something known or something unknown, but I'm trying to do my best to give myself permission to feel as intensely as I do, and I uh, grant you all the best of luck if you would like in attempting to do the same. And that is all that I have for this episode of Playtime. Thanks for listening. Check out the Patreon if you'd like to support the podcast and help make it better. Also check out BarnardChildTherapy.com for child-centered children's books. And I should put a link for it, but got a new book out with Jillian Kelly and Xander Stefani. I didn't get to say goodbye, which is originally available in a PDF, but now is an actual book book, and all the proceeds for that book are going to food banks because people need to eat. 
As always, if you want to be in touch with me, get in touch. My email is barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com. And yeah, I will catch you all next week. Bye. Thank you.